and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands and feet, my Savior wrong, that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they made him down in Joseph's womb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still, and all alone. Let's just praise him this morning. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name. Forevermore, for endless days, we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord, our God. When on earth, at break of dawn, the Son of heaven. Oh. 
had given up his life the darkest day in history there on a cross they made for sinners for every curse his blood atoned one final breath and it was finished earth began to shake, and the veil was torn, but sacrifice was made, as the heavens rose. 
it up. A flash of light breaking through. When all was lost, he crossed eternity. The King of Life is all of me. In a dark cold tomb, where our Lord was laid, one miraculous man, we forever change.
angel said unto her, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Today, well, every day, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, but especially today. And today we honor so great a love. It's an amazing love. It's indescribable. It is um, unconditional. It is ever-present. It is a love that never fails. We honor his love. He left his crown and his robe and all the glory in heaven. And he left to come to the earth to save us, to deliver us, to rescue us. He came to rescue the churched and the unchurched, the agnostic and the atheists, the, the ones that are, are, are generous and meek. He came to rescue the homeless, the abandoned, the rejected. He came to rescue and save all. He loves everyone. And today we are thankful that the that the tomb is empty, and that he is our risen Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go back into victory belongs to Jesus. Let's sing it again, church. Everybody stand. Oh, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to him. Oh, Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Oh, 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 victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Oh, oh, oh. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Hallelujah. John chapter 11. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you would believe, say with me, believe, church. You would see the glory of God. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, 
loose him and let him go. For the Lord says that my people have come before me on this day of life, and yet many are bound by death. Many have dead dreams. Many have dead relationships. Many have dead things in their body. But the Lord says, I have not only come to set the captives free. I have not only come to resurrect the spirits of men, but I have come even this day to resurrect broken dreams, resurrect broken bodies, resurrect broken relationships, says the Lord. For I am the God of life and my Zoe life shall resurrect that which you present unto me, says the Lord. For I am breathing upon my remnant church in this hour. I am breathing in them the breath of life. I am giving them a second wave and a second wind of my glory. For I will not leave you to die on the track, but I am giving you a second wind that you would run like the wind, even run like Elijah, says the Lord. For the Lord says, I will redeem the time. I will rescue you from your places of death. I will resurrect your dreams. I will resurrect that which is dead in your body, says the Lord. For I am the resurrection and I am the life. Do you believe it? Draw on my life, says the Lord. For I will infuse life into your body. I will breathe new life into your dream. And I will resurrect those relationships that are dead. For I am the God of reconciliation. I am the God of resurrection. I am the God who is a redeemer. I am the God who is a restorer. And the Lord says, if you will draw near unto me, I will cause my breath of life to flow in you and raise you up for such a time as this. For I've called you out and I've called you up. Come forth. Come forth. Come forth out of your grave and I will breathe the breath of life and remove your grave clothes that you may arise and shine for my glory is risen upon you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give them glory. Victory belongs to Jesus. Let's sing it again. I want you to lift up your hands if you need healing in your body this morning. You need healing in your soul. You need a dream resurrected. Lift your hands to the Lord. Receive His resurrection life. Oh, Lord. Oh, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to him. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to him. Oh, oh, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to him. Hallelujah.
I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not yet I, but Christ lives within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. I just feel this morning that there are people here that you feel like there's a vice around your head and that your heart, there's so much pressure on your heart. And the enemy has sent so many struggles that's brought great torment. There's rejection, abandonment, a failure, many things that's just circling over and over again. But the Lord today is releasing his healing power in the place that you feel entombed in your heart and in your soul. He's rolling away the stone so that his resurrection power can come into your soul and into your heart. For there was a crown of thorns placed upon his head, and his blood was shed to remove all of the torment, to, to remove all the disappointment, to remove everything, for his love is above all things. So, Lord, I just release that healing power today upon your people. Hallelujah. 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 220. Anybody been anybody as significant either a birthday anniversary on February 20th? That's you come on up February 20th. I got that scripture, Galatians 220. <laughs> That's you, 220. That's 220, right? Is that your birthday? Come, come, come here. <laughs> So, so this is what the Lord, I just, I couldn't find that verse earlier, but I quoted it. Then I found it, Galatians 2.20. Here's what's interesting about 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Stay standing, stay engaged, stay engaged. Don't let down. Come on, stay engaged with me. 2.20. Galatians 2. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many know that there's resurrection power in that verse? How do we know that? Any of you out there electrical engineers or electricians? You know what 110 is, right? 110 is, but if you got 220, 220 is super hot, right? 220, Galatians 220. Amen. I want you to come right here. Would you just stretch out forth your hands? No, you turn towards me. Turn towards me. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. 220. For the Lord says, I'm releasing my resurrection life to you. For the Lord says, you have died more than one death. For the Lord says, that which you had treasured in your heart, you have given back to me. But the Lord says, I am resurrecting your dreams. I'm resurrecting hope. And the Lord says, that which you have sacrificed and given unto me, the Lord says, it's like the woman with the alabaster box. And the Lord said, that which was fragrant, that which was valuable, the Lord says, I've seen the sacrifice that you made. And the Lord says, I'm answering to resurrect your dreams. The Lord says, I'm going to resurrect that which is dead in your life. And the Lord says, I'm opening a door that no man can shut. The Lord says, do not uh, succumb to the failure of the past. For the Lord says, I'm bringing you up out of a quagmire of doubt and of death. And the Lord says, I'm pulling you up 
into your new season, says the Lord, for I'm releasing life to that which is dead, and I'm breaking every spirit of death off of you, says the Lord, even a generational curse of death. For the Lord says, I'm going to use you, even in your family and your in your lineage, to be, as it were, a trophy of my life, my grace, and my glory. For the Lord said, grace has been extended to you as you've humbled your heart before me. And the Lord says, now I'm opening a door that no man can shut. The Lord says, come up and out, out of your grave clothes, says the Lord, for I am unraveling you, and I am unwrapping you. And the Lord says, I'm going to reveal the beauty of holiness through you, says the Lord. And the Lord said, that which is hidden shall be hidden no longer, says God. For the Lord says, I'm releasing a double portion of my Zoe life, says God. The Lord says, I'm going to resurrect you, your family, your dream, says God. And the Lord says, I'm going to break the curse of generations, says the Lord, through your hand and through your mouth. And the Lord says, you felt like you've been not equal to the task, but the Lord says, know that I have empowered you. I have equipped you with strength and might. For I'm releasing the spirit of might upon you, says the Lord, that you would arise, that you would shine, that you would obtain and take hold of that which my kingdom has bought and paid for. Arise and claim that which I have spoken, for my blood runs deep even to the root, says the Lord, and I will redeem your lineage, I will redeem your generation, and I will cause you to arise even with healing in your hands. Would you put your hands up right now? Put your hands up right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release, Lord, the resurrection power in life into this woman of God in the name of Jesus. Arise, shine, for my glory is risen upon you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody here suffering from Crohn's disease? That just came to me during uh, worship this morning. Is anybody suffering with Crohn's disease? I think it's some sort of a some sort of a stomach issue of some sort. Anybody like that? Don't come to me after the service because I'm anointed to pray for you now. Amen. Anybody's got Crohn's disease? Anybody at all? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! All right, let's keep praising him. Come on. I don't believe God's done yet. Come on, keep praising. Keep praising. Keep praising. Hallelujah. Open the flood. So let it rain. Let it rain, right? Let it rain, let it rain. Lift up your hands. Come on, church. Let it, let it rain. Let it rain. I got a bassé. Who 
in we press in we press in we press into you lord we press into you lord press in who's hungry this morning who wants more who wants more more of his presence more of his presence more of his glory more of his power father we come into your sanctuary to see your power and your glory more lord more lord pour it out pour it out pour it out pour it out Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. We give you the praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Moving of your spirit, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This came to me earlier. This is kind of a strange word of knowledge, but you know how we have pet names for our spouses or an endeared one? Um, my wife, Sweetie Pie. Amen. <laughs> but I kept hearing Honey Bun. Is anybody ever, any calling anybody Honey Bun? Huh? Anybody? Are you called that? Are you, are you called that? Come on up if you're called Honey Bun. Honey Bun. Honey Bun. I just kept, I, you, but believe it or not, I had a dream about this last night, about honey bun. I'm like, what? They're going to think, I'm, come on, honey bun. All you honey buns out there. I want Pastor Kay to join me. Well, if you, yeah. So are you honey bun? Uh, Arnold, are you honey bun? Are you, you're not honey bun? Okay. 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 
Okay, this, this is the word of the Lord uh, to, to all of you honey buns out there. For the Lord says, you cried out for the milk and the honey of my promised lands. And the Lord says, you found yourself in a wilderness. But the Lord says, I'm opening a door that no man can shut. And the Lord says, if you will ask for the milk and the honey, the Lord says, I will give it to you in this season. And if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. For the Lord says, I'm bringing you out of your wilderness and I'm bringing you into a land of promise. The Lord says, ask and you shall receive and your joy shall be full. Ask for the milk, ask for the honey. For the Lord says, as you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. For the Lord says, I will speak affectionately to you as honey bun in that secret place and I will draw near unto you. And the Lord says, the days of dirge are over and the days of songs of deliverance are yours. For the Lord says, I'm decreeing and declaring deliverance over your lives and I am causing you to enjoy the fruits of your labors. For the Lord said, the promised land is yours Taste and see that I am good, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Give him praise, church. Give him glory. Yeah, let's lay hands on him. Why not? Keep praying. Come on, pray in the spirit with me, will you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless, Lord, this couple. Don and Isabella, we bless them, Father. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them out of the wilderness, bringing them into the land of promise. Lord, let them taste of the sweet honey, the sweetness of your presence, the sweetness of your glory. Father, pour it out upon them in the name of Jesus. Thank you for a new season, a season of victory, a season of prosperity, a season of peace, Father. Let them taste of the sweetness of the honey of your presence in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessings. The honey, the sweetness of your honey. The sweetness of your presence. The sweetness of your honey. In the name of Jesus. Just receive it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Say with me, more Lord. Come on, church. More Lord, pour it out. More Lord. Taste and see that he is good. In the name of Jesus. Woo. God is good? All the time? God is good. Hallelujah. Give him praise, church. Give him glory. Amen. Worship team, awesome job. Thank you. All right, we're going to get right into the word this morning. This is definitely a 
Resurrection Sunday message. In fact, I wrote a book recently, a little booklet. It's on the back table. It's called Got Jesus. Receive the gift of eternal life. Now, it's not only for those who are seeking Jesus, but it also shows you how to lead people to Christ and answer some of the tough questions. So that booklet for $3 is on the back table if you'd like that. And um, so if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to John chapter 3. And I'm just going to share a little personal testimony of how I came to the Lord. I actually was born and raised Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school. I was an altar boy. Even at one point prayed about becoming a priest. Thank God I didn't because I never would have met Sweetie Pie. Amen. But I had a hunger for the things of God, and at the age of 12 years old, I asked for a Bible for Christmas, and my parents bought me a Catholic Bible. Well, I begin in Genesis, as you would think you begin at the beginning of the book. I got as far as about Deuteronomy, and I gave up. <laughs> Amen. Went to Catholic college. And after my freshman year, I had a real, hit a real low point in my life, was looking for more. Anybody relate to that? And uh, I came home after my freshman year in college, and all I could find was a job washing dishes at Denny's, at the Denny's restaurant. And it happened to be third shift. So I went in at 11 p.m., worked from 11 p.m. till 7 in the morning. And so when I came home, I would crash till about 12, 1 o'clock. Nobody would be in the house. My brother and my parents were off to work. So I had the house all to myself. I happened to turn the TV on. This was uh, 1983. And I began watching this show called The 700 Club. I said, what is The 700 Club? What is I started watching this show. And... Uh, so it was Pat Robertson. Is anybody familiar with that show, The 700 Club? I began watching the show, and they were talking about being born again, and my mind was going, till I never heard that before. And uh, they had different settings where people would join together, uh, join hands and pray in the name of Jesus. And see, I never experienced any of that. It's a Catholic. And so um, I began to watch this show, for about three months, and then at the end of August, I decided I was going to pray this prayer to receive Jesus, which I did. And when I did, everything changed. I, all I could say is that Jesus brought me peace. He was the answer, became the answer to my life. And that was on August 31st of 1983, a while back now. And I'll never forget, about a week or two, I went back from my sophomore year in college and my roommate from the year before, he says, he says, wait a minute, you look different. What happened to you? I said, I got saved. <laughs> he was a good Baptist brother, and so we had some fellowship together, and we actually hit it off really good that year. Amen. So I wanted to start with John chapter 3. There was a religious Pharisee who was seeking the Lord by the name of Nicodemus. He had an encounter with Jesus. 
And in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, say it with me, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So how many of you realize when you're born of the, of the flesh, that means you're born in the natural, but how many know you have to be born of the Spirit? See, when you receive Jesus Christ, it's not turning over a new leaf. It's not trying Jesus. When you truly believe and receive Christ, there is a spiritual transformation of your spirit. Your spirit, man, goes from death to life. In fact, Paul, in his second letter to Corinthians, said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. So it's not turning over a leaf. There's actually a spiritual transformation where your spirit man receives the life of Christ and you are born of the king. Amen. So I wanted to share with you God's plan of salvation this morning. And first thing I really want to bring across is that how many of you know that God has called you with a holy calling? In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and give you a hope. How many know that God's plans are good plans? They're all good. Why? Because he is good and his mercy endures forever. In fact, it says in 2 Timothy 1.9 that he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Say with me, before time began. Not before Jesus, not before Abraham, not before Noah, not before Adam, but before time began, he saved you and he called you with a holy calling. I don't know about you, but that's very comforting to me. How many of you have been, maybe you were the product of a marriage and a, a couple that was uh, maybe in their 40s or even 50s when you were born and they said, you were a mistake. Has anybody ever heard that? Somebody said, well, I was a, a mistake. How many know that God doesn't make any mistakes? In fact, before time began, he knew you. He called you with a holy calling. Amen. In fact, God even wrote a book in heaven with the days of your life contained in it. In Psalm 139, verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You see, God had a plan and a purpose before time began. He wrote the days of your life on the pages of your book in heaven. And how many of you know that God wants you to know his plans and purposes for you? There is a scripture in 1 Corinthians 
that is quoted, but it's not quoted in completion. It says, eye is not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And they stop reading right there. And they say, well, we don't ever know what God's going to do. But it goes on to say, but God has revealed them unto us, even the deep things of God. Amen. God wants to reveal his plans and purpose to you. In fact, he wrote them in the book. How many of you have your book? How many of you have your scroll? If you don't have your book from heaven, you need to ask God for it. Why? Because he wants to take that which is written in heaven about your life and engrave it on the tablets of your heart. Amen. He wants you to know what is the hope of your calling. He wants you to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He doesn't want us to muddle through life and settle for the low call or the medium call. No, he wants us to run like Elijah ran, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. How many know there is a prize for fulfilling the purposes of God? Amen. But what happens is people don't know what they're called to do. So either they're running in circles, they're running in the wrong lane, or in the, they're in the wrong race altogether. Amen? So God wants you to know his plans for your life. Amen? Part of that plan is eternal life. God has planned that all are saved. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that everybody gets saved. But he's in the heart of God. His plan is that every person be saved. Amen. John 3, 16. For God so loved, say with me, love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. He has appointed you to eternal life. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all, say with me, all, should come to repentance. All in the Spanish, Hebrew, Greek, and German, all means what, church? All. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. That God our Savior, Savior desires all men. How many men? All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. How many of you know that in his book of life, that every name is written. Any, every person has been written in the book of life. Let me prove it to you out of Scripture. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. What happens, though, is when people do not turn to the Lord, that with great tears He has to blot your name out of the book of life. Why? Because His plan is that you would be saved. But when we say no to Jesus with tears, we, He has to blot out your name out of the book of life. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And, listen now, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. How many know that God is a good God? He's gracious. He's full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Be not deceived. God is a wonderful and great God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God has appointed you to eternal life. Number three, we are all sinners in need 
of a Savior. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, talks about how death entered into this world. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. How many know that? That man was no, uh, uh, not Noah, Adam. Amen. <laughs> and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Say with me, all sin. We know very well, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And according to the law of sin and death, the penalty of sin is eternal death and separation from God. But the good news, say with me, good news, is that the free gifts of righteousness and eternal life are available to all through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 5, 17, though even death came through Adam, it says here, for if by the one man's offense, speaking of Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. So through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, Jesus, the man, paid for every sin that we may live an eternity with God in heaven. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How many know that the law of sin and death reigned in the Old Testament, but thank God for Jesus Christ, that by His Spirit, and by his precious blood that we are redeemed and we operate now in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So I have a question for you this morning. How do we receive the gifts of righteousness and eternal life? Number four, repent that your sins may be forgiven. You see, repentance is necessary to appropriate forgiveness, the remission of sins, and to receive eternal life. Just like faith is necessary to receive certain promises from God, repentance is necessary to appropriate forgiveness. I hear people say all the time that I've already been forgiven for my sins. It's like, no, you haven't been forgiven unless you repent of your sins. Because repentance is what appropriates forgiveness. Just like faith appropriates healing. Amen? The Bible says, by his stripes you were healed. But if you don't receive your healing by faith, you will not appropriate it. Just like God's forgiven you of your sins, but unless you repent, you will not appropriate the forgiveness necessary to be saved. Does that make sense? So what's happened over the last uh, several years and decades, uh, we've made uh, the gospel of Christ a gospel without repentance. Come to Jesus. Be saved. Come to Jesus. Get a new car. Come to Jesus. See, we, we win them with candy, but if you win them with candy, you got to keep them with candy. Amen? 
So the gospel of Christ begins with repentance. The first words of Jesus, the first words of John the Baptist when they began to preach was what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance from dead works is the first doctrine mentioned in Hebrews that mentions the doc six doctrines of Christ. Number one, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrines of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. What's happened is that we have removed repentance from our message and so you can't have faith towards God or confidence towards God when your conscience condemns you because you did not repent of your sins. Amen? And so that's why in a lot of these crusades, they come down just as they are and they go back just as they were. And so there's a lot of false conversions in America. Why? Because they have not preached repentance that is required for salvation. No repentance no conversion, period. Repentance also is not just confessing your sin, it is forsaking your sin. Proverbs 28, verse 13, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. So repentance is just not confessing sin, it is forsaking sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number five, believe in, confess, and receive Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, summarizes the salvation process. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, say with me, believe, in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession made unto salvation. Okay, so you hear the gospel, you believe in your heart the gospel, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, but how many know there's one more step? you got to receive him. Amen? The Bible says, I hear people say all the time, well, I believe in God. Well, James says that you believe in God, great, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So you can believe in God all you want, but until you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you're not saved, amen? John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, say with me, received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. So you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and then you receive him into your heart. He transforms your spirit, man. You become a son, a daughter of God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You become an ambassador of Christ, a minister of reconciliation, an epistle read of all men, armed to the teeth with the power of God in your hands, the word of the Lord upon your lips, and you're going to do damage to the enemy's camp. Amen? You're a force to be reckoned with. That's what's supposed to happen. Amen? Hallelujah. First John 5 said, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you, that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen? So in a nutshell, that is the gospel. But 
In the world that we live in today, there's so much out there that causes people to doubt. So we're going to answer a few questions this morning very quickly that I believe will help you. And this is, they're actually contained in this book, people that object the gospel and how to answer these objections. The first question is, don't all good people go to heaven? How many of you heard that one? Well, I'm a pretty good guy. Why should you go to heaven? Well, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm better than most. How many know that's not the right answer? Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 14, 3, there is no one who does good. No, not one. In James chapter 2, 10, it says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So if you've, has anybody here ever tell, told a lie? Anybody at all? No hands going up. <laughs> kind of cast out the lying spirit. Okay. All right, who's ever told a lie? You're guilty. No one's righteous. Not one. And again, the wages of sin is death. So we deserve death. If we've ever committed a sin, we deserve death, according to the Scripture. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how many of you know that we cannot earn our way into heaven by good works? Can't earn your way in. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, say with me, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you can't, by good works, earn your way into heaven. Is that clear? Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So Jesus became sin for us. He died for us, paying the penalty for the sins of all mankind for all time, so that we may be saved from eternity in hell. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So how many born-again people do we have here this morning? I just want to see your hands. I want you to say with me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Number two. Number two question. Aren't there many paths to heaven? All, lead, all, roads, all roads lead to Rome. Have you heard that one? All religions are all the same. You've heard that one before. Take your pick. Well, I beg to differ. Of course, the foundation of this entire message is believing that the Bible is the word of God. And the Bible is ultimate truth. The truth. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, Jesus said, I am the way. Say with me, the way. The truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the gatekeeper. He's the way, he's the gate, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. How many of you know that Christianity is not a religion? It's a reality. Other religions, they proclaim truth, but they're a lie. 
And Christianity isn't being lumped in as a religion. It's not a religion. It's a reality. And the reality of Christ is lived out through a relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus is not one way to heaven, but the way to heaven. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God, say with me, one God, and one mediator, say with me, one mediator, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen? He's the only mediator. Jesus is not one truth. You hear this all, you hear this today. People say, well, that's your truth, or this is my truth. No, 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 no. I don't know about you, but I'm after the truth. Jesus is not one truth. He is but the truth and the only mediator between sinful man and a loving God. Jesus is not one way to life, but is the life and the only name by which we can be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. Say with me, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only one name, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, who's ready for some of the tougher questions? Got two more questions. We're going to wrap it. Two more questions. Number three, can those without the gospel be saved? Psalm chapter 7, verse 11 says, God is a just judge. Say with me, just judge. Psalm 98, verse 9, for he is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. How? With righteousness, he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. That means God is just. He is fair. Amen? Romans 2.11 said there is no partiality with God. All right. So God is equitable and just and does not hold people accountable for a gospel they have never heard. How would he be just if you've never hold, held the gospel He's, he's just. You've never heard the gospel. However, God does hold everyone accountable for the revelation of his eternal power and divine nature manifested throughout creation. All right. I want you to turn here. Romans 1. I just didn't have enough space to put all this down. Romans chapter. I would need you to see this. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. You can go to your BibleGateway.com. You can open up your paper Bible. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. It's a very key scripture. What may be known of God is manifest in them or evident among them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, divine nature, so that they are without excuse. What is he saying here? God has revealed his divine attributes through creation so that everyone knows that there is a God. 
They are without excuse because, listen now, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay? So they knew there was a God, but they denied him. They rejected him. Psalm 14, verse 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Because that reality was there, but they spoke it into your heart. But I keep pointing here, honey, you know that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching the innermost parts or the inner rooms of the belly. This is where your spirit man lives. When the Bible talks about your heart, he's not talking about your blood pump. He's talking about your spirit. This is where you're born again. This is where the Holy Spirit lives. That's why when people says, I have a gut feeling, well, that's the Holy Spirit convicting their conscience or bringing them their intuition about something because the Holy Spirit is showing them. Does that make sense? The Bible says, let your conscience, or it doesn't say that, but people say, let your conscience be your guide. Well, yeah, if your conscience is formed and you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, you need to go with that. Does that make sense? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why? Because that thought wasn't there, but they rejected God. So they became a fool by saying in their heart, how many know whatever you say, your heart's eventually going to believe. So if you say in your heart, there is no God, eventually your heart will believe it and you've rejected God. Because the sense of God has always been there because of creation. But people reject him and walk away from him. According to scripture, those who deny the existence of God knew God at one time, but refused him. Departing from the living God, such became vain in their thinking, darkened in their unbelieving hearts, and fools without excuse before him. However, those who acknowledge the existence of the creator, though never having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, have a pathway to justification, salvation, and eternal life. Let me show you the scripture. It should be on your screen. It is. Romans chapter 2, verse 14. Listen. For when Gentiles, these are people that were not in the covenant of promise with Israel. These are unbelievers, people that have never heard the law or the gospel in the New Testament, right? For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Verse 15, who show the work of the law written where? In their hearts, down here. Amen. They don't have the law. They've never heard the gospel, but there is a law written in their hearts. Amen. Their conscience, how many of you know that there's different components of your spirit, man? We always talk about your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. But how many of you know that your spirit, man, comprises your conscience, your intuition, and your communion with God? He says here, their conscience, that's a part of their heart, their spirit, man. Their conscience also bearing witness. How many of you know the scripture talks that uh, the spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God? So bearing witness and between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men 
by Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So they follow their conscience. Every person, now I don't care if you're, you know, wherever you are, in a remote village somewhere in the, country, uh, in the nation, never heard the gospel of Christ, but yet you're aware that there is a creator and there is a conscience in your heart that choose, causes to live you to live righteously. I believe that when they die, they will be presented with Christ, who is the gatekeeper of heaven. Amen? There's no mediator between God and man, but the man, Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Do you receive me? And because they've lived righteously and their conscience has been formed, the law of God written in their hearts, even though they've never heard the law or the gospel, there is a pathway for them to be saved. Does that make sense? Okay. So these are some of the tougher questions people ask. Amen. And I have had this all vetted out with our board of directors, Robert Henderson and Beverly Watkins vetted this out with me. And they gave me the thumbs up. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody else has been quiet. I got one amen. Praise God. Oh, there we go. Here's somebody. All right. Somebody's getting stirred. All right. All right. Last question. How can a loving God send people to hell? You ever get that one? All right. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John chapter 3, we know verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But it goes on in verse 17. For God has not sent in his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, this is somebody who has heard the gospel. How many know that? To whom much is given, much is required. And if you haven't been given the gospel, you're not, God's not going to require it of you. Amen? But there yet is a law written in your heart. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light. That's why we don't, we don't have many, many deathbed conversions. We hear people all the time, well, I'm going to wait till I'm on my deathbed and I'll receive Christ. No. You will not have the grace because it's not by your works that you can be saved. It says, for by grace you are saved. So if you've hardened your, whole, your heart for a whole lifetime saying no to Jesus, there's going to be no grace for you to receive then. Because why? You've chosen darkness over light, and you will not be drawn to the light of Christ because you've walked in darkness your whole life. Does that, does that make sense? All right. It's gotten real quiet in here. This message is getting better. Amen. You see, the gift of salvation is freely offered by God to all, but not all receive this gift. Those who reject God's gift of eternal life in Christ receive the penalty for their sins, spiritual death. For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said that everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for mankind. He never intended men to, to die and fry in hell. He prepared hell for the devil and his angels, not mankind. Is that clear? And our loving Father does not send people to hell. People send themselves to hell by rejecting Christ. Amen? Everybody stand. If we could have our ministry team come to the front. Come quickly. Read one last scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Do not receive the grace of God in vain. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now, say with me now, is the day of salvation. Now, receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is the most important decision you will ever make. So I've got a question for you this morning. Would you like the assurance of spending eternity with God in heaven? I'm going to ask that every head be bowed, every eye closed. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you've strayed away from the Lord, I would ask this morning, would you be bold enough to raise your hand and say, I, I don't know Christ. I don't know if I died, I would go to heaven. Is there anybody in that condition here this morning? Anybody who's never received Christ or has drifted away from Christ? Just eyes scanning across here. I don't see any hands, but we're going to go ahead and I want everybody to pray this prayer together this morning. And encourage the one next to you if they've not received Christ. I just want you to pray, Dear God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess and forsake all of my sins and ask you to forgive me. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is your Son, that His death and blood shed on the cross paid the penalty for my sins, and that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And I will live for you and serve you for eternity. Father, thank you for loving me and receiving me into your kingdom as your child. I am now born again. Hallelujah. Give him praise, church. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's risen, church. He's risen. We serve a living Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Our ministry team is here to pray with you. If for some reason you didn't lift your hand, you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to come on down and, and one of our 
ministry teams will minister to you. If you need healing in your body, you need a prayer of agreement, or maybe you need some wisdom about a situation this morning, our ministry team is here to pray with you. How many have been blessed this morning? Amen. Amen. Just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless your people on this Resurrection Sunday. I pray, God, that the resurrection life of Christ would flow through their bodies, restore their bodies, renew their vision, Father, resurrect their dreams, God, repair their relationships in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare that they are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I declare, Lord God, that they are ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation, epistles read of all men, vessels of honor fit for the master's use. They may have come in as a lamb, but they're going out as a lion this morning. So on the count of three, we're going to roar in this church.